Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Before I introduce my guest for this episode, I want to tell you about a new unpaid sponsor of the podcast, Access Period. Access Period is a nonprofit organization in Omaha that provides free menstrual products to anyone that needs them. Period poverty, or the lack of access to menstrual products, affects one in four women. When people don't have access to the products they need, they either stay home from work and school, perpetuating the cycle of poverty, or they use unsafe and uncomfortable alternatives. Too often, period poverty is invisible, which makes it hard to connect with our neighbors who most need help. By supporting Access Period, you will help to place menstrual products into the hands of the people who need them most, both through the organizations that already serve them and through free pickup locations throughout Nebraska. If you're interested in learning more about Access Period, getting involved with fighting period poverty in your own community, or if you are someone who needs menstrual products, please visit www.accessperiod.com or find them on Instagram at Access Period. Okay, now on to the episode. Well, today I'm excited to welcome back a very special guest, my little brother Dwight. Dwight was on episode number nine, way back in season one. If you haven't listened to that episode and the conversation that I had with him back then, I encourage you to go back and listen either before or after you listen today. Dwight has a difficult story, but God has done some amazing things through it. He's been at work in some powerful ways, and the life that Dwight has now is really a beautiful testimony of God's grace and mercy. Almost everyone is affected by addiction in some way, so our hope is that talking about it again today will be helpful to somebody struggling or to those of you who know or love someone who is struggling. Thank you for listening today. I'm so glad you found my podcast. Hi, Dwight. Hello. Thanks for recording another episode with me. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me to do it again. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, this summer we were sitting out on the deck at Lake Okoboji, which is a vacation spot for our family in Iowa. And as you and I like to do, we were drinking coffee together and started talking about how great it would be if you could come back on the podcast and give a little bit of an update and really just offer some more help and encouragement to my listeners as almost everyone, as we've talked about, is somehow affected by addiction. And I mentioned this the first time you were on too, Dwight, but as I began thinking about starting a podcast years ago, you were one of the first people that I wanted to have on as a guest because as your big sister, I've had a front row seat to watch your life be completely transformed and the ways that you fight for joy are inspiring. And I want to share, um, share with my listeners just, you know, your journey of walking through some hard things and yet now seeing your life as just such a beautiful reflection of God's restoring work. And, and I just wanted to say too, like years after our conversation on episode nine, I am still getting feedback from what you shared in that first episode. So I know people are going to be excited to hear from you again. Well, good. Yeah, that, that means a lot that um, you are hearing feedback. And I, I kind of looked myself, it was season one, episode nine. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this spring, it will have been four years ago. So I'm glad it's time to have you back on. Well, it's good to be here. And I was looking forward to this. Good. Well, so for, you know, anyone who didn't listen to that first episode, 
Um, well, actually, even if they did, because like I said, it was almost four years ago, so things have changed. Um, I'd love for you to kind of reintroduce yourself to my listeners and share a little bit about what your life looks like today. Okay. So I'm Dwight. I'm Jody's brother, youngest brother, uh, Jackson's uncle. Uh, I am an addict and I am in recovery. And four years ago, I shared my story of, you know, what my life was like, what happened and what it's like then. And then now four years later, uh, I have kind of a few updates, I guess, you know, I, uh, finished all 12 steps, uh, that were uh, recommended to me by my sponsor mm-hmm. in the fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to, you know, be on the spiritual plane that I am right now and, and have God leading my life and, you know, starting each day with a daily reprieve uh, from addiction based on my spiritual condition. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, so, you know, kind of rewinding all the way back from the beginning, you know, um, I was born into a Christian family, loving home, uh, was told that I was loved, was showed that I was loved, had everything that I needed. You know, I, I can't um, direct anything from my addiction to, you know, how I grew up. I actually believe that I was born an addict, uh, you know, which is kind of hard for a lot of people to grasp. But the reason I say that is because there was no really difference between me and my friends on, you know, um, experimenting and exploring with drug use and why addiction kind of had its grip on me and then didn't with with many of them. So mm-hmm. the only thing that I credit that with uh, was being born an addict and, and God made me that way. And it was really hard for me to mm-hmm. accept that really hard for me to, you know, you mentioned that you had a front row seat. Well, I was, you know, front and up on stage, front and center. Right. And that was the right. whole time, you know, I saw what was happening in my own life and I saw the hurt that was happening in, in you know, the lives of, of people that loved me. And that was difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to the point where I actually thought, you know, my family and the world would be better without me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a long road from, you know, just experimenting and exploring with friends as a teenager to, you know, the, the last part, you know, before I, I completely surrendered to Narcotics Anonymous. You know, I, I say it this way, when I first started um, using drugs, I couldn't stop laughing. And towards the end, I couldn't use drugs without crying. Hmm. Uh, hmm. And that's okay, because, you know, if, if I had to go through all that and everybody else had to go all through that, to get where I am today, um, it was worth it. Mm. And that's really hard for, you know, a lot of people that are probably experiencing um, addiction themselves or, you know, somebody that they love going through it as well. So, um, Mm. you know, pray to the Holy Spirit that Mm -hmm. it will convict somebody, you know, heart and that they will reach rock bottom, you know, sooner than later and uh, get to that point where they need to surrender. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for walking through some of that again. And, um, you know, how did you how did you not allow, you know, resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness to rob you of joy? How have you fought that along the way, too? Because like you said, I mean, you, it'd be easy to be 
bitter and mad at God or at friends or at family? Um, how has that affected you over the years as you've tried to fight those things and not let them rob you of joy? Good question. I'm really thankful for my Christian heritage. I've always mm-hmm. uh, the promises of the Lord that, uh, you know, he is sovereign and he is gracious and he will never forsake me, even though times I felt that, that, the, you know, those were at times that was happening. Uh, and that kind of was, you know, what, what helped me push along. Mm-hmm. And uh, without that, I, I, I really don't know how it would be. So I, I really credit, you know, everything from our church growing up, you know, mom and dad with their examples of faith, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the Sunday school groups and church camps and Okaboji Bible conferences and, you know, Wheaton College, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I had an opportunity to do all of those things because then, you know, at the end, you mm-hmm. know, when I had nothing left besides the promises of God and, mm-hmm. and you know, th- those types of things, at least I knew who he was. And, uh, you know, I say it like this, too. Um, there's no question that, that I, I know that God, uh, gives mercy and he is gracious and he is loving because I feel Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, from what I've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And like you said, you know, one of the, one of the things that is different that you have done since you were on last time, um, is completing the 12 steps of NA and, you know, that's kind of one of the main things I want to talk to you about on this episode is just the the help and the progress that has come from a result of you completing these steps. Um, so maybe just first share a little bit about Narcotics Anonymous itself and what it's been like for you to be a part of that fellowship and that community. And then maybe just tell us a little bit about the steps and their purpose and role in the program and why it's important to work through them. Okay. Narcotics Anonymous is has saved my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like God revealed himself to people, you know, throughout the Bible in different places, mm-hmm. he revealed himself to me in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous in the meetings, mm-hmm. you know, through work through, you know, my sponsor, John, who, mm-hmm. uh, who I loved to death and I get emotional every time yeah. talking about yeah. it because yeah. <clears throat> I really felt the love of the Lord through him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the example that he tried to use the whole time. And he was loving and patient and, uh, you know, always there for me when I needed him. And, mm-hmm. and that was, that was nice because in the grip of addiction and in the darkest parts of addiction, you know, people isolate. And mm-hmm. I did, I did that as well mm-hmm. and to know that you never have to be alone and to know that you can walk into a room of a meeting and, and, you know, relate to people on such a deep level right away Yeah, is a nice feeling because being the only person in our family with addiction, it was, it was hard being the only one. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, you know, I could, I could share and I could talk and, and I felt the love, but, you know, to relate on that, that deeper kind of a level just didn't happen. And it was hard for mom and dad. Um, and I'm sure for, for you and Merritt and everybody else that, that, uh, you know, one of the best for me was, you know, it was hard to kind of let go and let somebody else help yeah. that, um, that I needed, yeah. you know, and, and I, I appreciate the, the willingness for, for everybody to kind of get to that point. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, the steps. You know, you can't get the benefits of a 12-step program without doing all 12 steps. That's kind of one of my slogans when I talk and share my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of in a nutshell what the steps are. There's 12 of them, but, you know, the first part is uh, to find, you know, find God and, and surrender to God. And then you got to clean house. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to do a personal inventory and then you got to make amends. And then, you know, the latter part of the steps is, is helping others. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, all the way through them you know what happens is there's a spiritual awakening uh there's there's a new creation a rebirth in other words and and i totally agree with that i am not the same person that i was before i started the 12 mm-hmm. steps i don't same way i don't act the same way i don't want the same things my focus is different and i credit that to those 12 steps which i call a spiritual ladder mm-hmm. in the beginning of every single meeting out there in NA across the world, it says it in the readings. If you have or if you want what we have to offer, then you are ready to take certain steps. Hmm. And that's the 12 steps that they offer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say if you want what we have to offer, you know, then you need to hit a bunch of meetings or mm-hmm. you need to go to the cookout or you <laughs> need to go bowling or you need to go to a camp out. Or, I mean, those things are important as far as the fellowship goes. Mm-hmm. But the true off offering of what Narcotics Anonymous does is is the promise. There's many gifts, but there's one promise of the program, and that promise is an addict, any addict, can lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. Wow. And I needed that. Yeah. I needed to lose the desire to use because the desire to use was controlling my life. And, you know, there was, there was times where I was abstinent. There was times where I went, you know, weeks, months. I mean, I even went a year one time, you know, away from every single mood and mind altering substance uh, there, there was. And I felt good, but deep down, I, I knew it was just a matter of time before I was going to use again, because I didn't, I didn't know how to live differently. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when they mentioned, you know, find a new way to live, it's basically aligning your life with the spiritual principles. Yeah. Yeah. Like faith and humility and honesty and open-mindedness, willingness, hope, acceptance, courage, love, all those things. And, and each step kind of represents each one of those spiritual principles. That's so good, Dwight. Yeah. And, you know, to go back quickly to what you were saying about John and, and the community that you found there, too. I mean, I can only imagine how humbling that was for mom and dad to step away and let you um, kind of be brought in under somebody else for help. They so desperately wanted to help and probably more honestly wanted to fix and just, um, you know, so for them to do their own version of surrendering as well um, and just letting John take over um yeah what a beautiful picture of just the comfort that we feel um from god through god's people and um i i too think he is just such a special amazing man and i mean we thank the lord for bringing him into your life um and then yeah the promise of the program i mean that is that's so helpful to hear dwight and just um you know, it is beyond abstinence and it is, um, you know, promising that you, it is possible, you know, following these 12 steps, teaching you how to line yourself up with those spiritual principles that you mentioned, um, can help to lose that desire to use, um, beyond abstinence. And so, 
Um, I love that you said you've been doing a lot of speaking. Um, I know that's been a big part of of um, your life through all of this too. And so um, I'm sure you incorporate a lot of what you just said, like you have to do what the program is set up to do and to get the full benefit of it. Um, if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear a little bit just about like your personal process of working through the steps. I mean, you don't have to go into details, but just generally, what was it like? I mean, how many years did it take you? Um, was it was it hard? Did you dread it? Did you see the benefits? And so it was, you know, you, you kind of turned the corner at some point and thought, no, I really do want to um, complete all 12 or just kind of tell me a little bit of what, what that looked like for you. Okay. Uh, it took me eight years, a little over eight years, I would, I would say to complete all 12 steps. Now that was because I was very busy. I, mm-hmm. I had a job. I mean, you know, my, my life moved very fast. I was, you know, four months clean and I met my wife and we started dating, got married, you know, had two kids back to back, uh, you know, I had, had a job that required me to uh, be gone quite a bit. And, and it was just really hard for me to find time to sit down mm-hmm. and fill and, and allow God to work through, you know, the 12 steps to make me into the, the man that he created me to be in the first place um, after learning everything, you know, that I, I had to go through. But yeah, I... Um, I started in right away. I, I, I have a step working guide and that's what Narcotics Anonymous provides. It's a little book and, you know, it, it, it explains the step and there's a lot of questions and you have to answer the questions. And then after you get through a step, what, what John would want me to do is we would meet and we would go through and read all the questions and I would read in my responses and things would start to surface. You know, I, I've been numbed out uh, for so I was numbed out for so long. I, I didn't know really what I, I felt about different things. I didn't really know what I thought about different things. I didn't really even know myself, uh, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So it was eye-opening to to you know do the steps and to to really think and to write. And there, there's there's just this this miracle that happens, um, you know, going through. And to be honest with you, I got to say there was, I think I was about step, step six, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, John was asking me, Hey, you done with step six? And you, are we, we going to meet sometime soon? And I just told him, I said, you know what, John, I don't really think this is helping. Mm-hmm. I don't know how me writing mm-hmm. words, piece of paper and getting to you and or getting with you and going over them and talking about them and praying about them. I don't really know why this is, this is necessary. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you're right where you need to be. Hmm. He goes, give up. He goes, this is only going to increase your face with or increase your faith with your higher power, which is God, obviously. And he said, uh, don't stop before the miracle happens. Hmm. So I and I kept going and I kept going. And there's two things that people recommend, um, you know, to, to do the steps correctly. And that's honest and thorough. And sometimes it takes people a long time to get through them like myself. I don't encourage people to take as long as it took for me because, you know, to lose that desire to use is important for addicts. Otherwise, mm-hmm. addicts are going to use mm-hmm. what they do. And, uh, um, 
I guess I, I credit me being busy and, and being, you know, really close with my sponsor, but they say there's one way to wrong to do the steps and that's alone. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of people and I even tried this, you know, I always joke and say before I, I surrendered to, to narcotics anonymous, I was doing Dwight's anonymous mm -hmm. and, uh, that <laughs> very, you know, right. there was only for that program and, and, uh, yep. um, there yep. wasn't very many benefits. So, so yeah, I, I tried to, you know, I read them on a wall in a meeting and I, I thought, you know what, I can do that by myself. And I tried and it didn't work out. So, so yeah, there's, there's, you know, a step working guide and it's encouraged to do them with somebody that have, that, that have done them themselves and knows, you know, what to do and what to look for and, and help you along. And it was, it was life-changing for me. So I'm glad that I finally got to the point where I didn't give up and yeah. I just kept pushing through. Me too. And I mean, to quote John or, you know, I, the miracle did happen. I mean, you didn't give up before the miracle happened. And um, it's so encouraging to watch. And I know that you have been very honest and thorough and, um, you know, as such a help then to, um, to others who are wanting to complete the steps as well. And um, can you tell, I mean, is there a difference between people who are you know, climbing the spiritual ladder of these steps and the people who aren't, can you kind of tell at a meeting or in a community with each other? I mean, how many people in the program actually complete all 12 steps? Is it a large amount or a small amount? Yeah, so it's it's difficult to see because everybody kind of has their same, you know, their different journey, their own journey. Yeah. But John told me, so, you know, John has 34 years of recovery and over the years, has had, uh, you know, a bunch of sponsees, you know, he, he has some that have stuck with him that have never relapsed and, you know, they're getting, you know, years clean in the, in the teens or twenties now. And, and uh, then there's a lot of people that had him as a sponsor and then relapsed and then he's lost contact with, but he told me that there has been three people and I was the third. And I think there's four mm -hmm. now of all of his sponsees over the years that have completed all 12 steps. Wow. wow. So when I got to, I think it was, I think it was making the amends step nine. And my first amend uh, that I made was, was to mom um, mm -hmm. when she was kind of getting near to the, the end of her life. Um, mm. I, he told me that. Mm -hmm. And I was at that point, I was going to probably, you know, obviously like finish them, but, that was a really um, important thing for me to hear to, to kind of reach that goal. I wanted to be, you know, the third mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. John has what, what I want. So I have to do what John did and he did all 12. So, yeah. so yeah, it's it, the numbers, the, the, the stats, they're, they're not looking very good for people, you know, finishing all 12. It's, it's hard. It's hard to relive, you know, certain parts of your life. It's hard to, Go back to people that that have you have hurt, and and you know go face to face or talk with them. It's you know and and figure out your character defects. I mean, there's just all sorts of things that are not easy to do, and I think that's why people uh, don't finish. Mm -hmm. You know, and then overwhelming you know desire to use is still there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and you've oh. shared with me before too that you know it just sometimes just hasn't gotten hard enough for the addict as well, right? So not only are the steps hard, 
but um, maybe just their life in addiction hasn't gotten ugly enough or hard enough yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've met a lot of addicts. You know, I said this in the last podcast, but nobody comes into Narcotics Anonymous when things are going well. Right. You know, there was a, a crazy guy in a black robe with a wooden hammer that told me to go to Narcotics Anonymous for the first time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. over the years, what I have seen is I haven't seen anybody surrender to the program, which means do anything that they got to do. You know, finish all 12 steps, walk down that long, difficult road and whatnot if their life wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it has to, to get to. And it's hard. It's it's hard to see the, the, the people that you love, mm-hmm. you know, not there yet or or continuing, you know, progressively getting worse. But but it is necessary. It was for me mm-hmm. and it is for a lot of people that that, uh, you know, that that's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are about ready to hit a huge milestone um, in your recovery this spring. Uh, in March, you will receive your 10-year medallion, and I'm so excited for you, Dwight. And just wondered if you would tell us a little bit about how you're feeling as you look forward to hitting such a big milestone and maybe share a little bit about even what a medallion is and how marking time and dates like this are key to the program as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so March 28th of 2023 i'll have 10 years um and that that's great you know but i can't lose track of today mm-hmm. you know and today it's actually 3522 days mm-hmm. uh so how you get to those milestones is a day by day uh process sometimes it's an hour by hour process or a minute by minute when you know life's struggles you know come at you and, and things but yeah, it is a neat milestone. I never thought that I would ever get as, as far along clean as, as I have right now. Hmm. If you had told me back in the day, hey, Dwight, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a bunch of years clean. You're going to, you know, have a, a, a bunch of sponsees yourself that are um, trusting you and, and helping them along in their daily life and recovery and and, uh, you know, you're going to be asked to go speak all over the Pacific Northwest and share your story. And, and it's going to, it's going to matter. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have believed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's, you know, I'm tickled. I'm humbled. Mm-hmm. I, I ever, ever will, will let that, um, kind of like my ego take over, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. always going to be always going to be humbled. Because if, if I take credit for it, I might as well go get loaded because then I can just get clean again. Mm-hmm. But I understand that I had a lot of help, you know, uh, to get to the point uh, where I am today. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I could relapse, but I don't know if I could bounce back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the, the kind of unknowing about addiction is, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it got to my, you know, it, it wasn't just that I. I lost a job or I, you know, things got bad or I got arrested or, you know, a relationship that I was in, you know, went away or, you know, it got to the point where I, at the end, when I was using my, I didn't, it, it could have killed me mm-hmm. each time I, mm-hmm. that I was using, but yeah. So the medallions, that's, that's kind of a, a neat thing to get into meetings mm-hmm. uh, to kind of in your pocket or, you know, put, put in your, you know, on your desk or, or whatever. I've seen people make them into necklaces, but what they say on there 
is God's self-service in society. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's neat to, to uh, get one, like I said, but it's necessary for people that might be a newcomer or new to Narcotics Anonymous to see a sponsor give a medallion to a sponsee and see that relationship, you yeah. know, because they wouldn't have got there without that sponsor mm-hmm. and, and that, uh, that help and that assistance. So getting a medallion um, at first, uh, it was, you know, all about me. I was like, wow, I made a year, I made a two year. And now I'm getting to the point where hopefully when I do get my medallion, there's a newcomer there in the room that can see that. And, and John is actually flying out to Montana to give me my 10 year medallion. That's so and cool. So much mm-hmm. that he's willing to do that. And it's, it's so nice to know that the path that I'm on, if I continue on the path that I'm on, that I can plan that far ahead. I yeah. couldn't plan a family meal. Right. I couldn't even plan my own birthday party, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, I mean, I didn't know what, a, you know, what happened in the next hour back in the day. So it's, it's just neat to be able to plan those kinds of things and, and look forward to them. For sure, for sure. And I love, you know, you saying too, that you didn't always believe that you would be able to get here. And yet, you know, that's another uh, example of how much we need each other and we need community. And John, you know, just telling you you're right where you are and keep going and another day and, um, you know, kind of giving you the confidence and the motivation uh, to keep going. And yeah, it's so beautiful now, like you said, to be able to plan and look that far ahead, um, knowingly and confidently, and yet still remaining humble and focusing on today. Um, I love that, Dwight. Well, with my podcast focused on, you know, the fight for joy in the midst of hard things, I would love to hear about where you are fighting for joy these days. What does your fight for joy look like? Where are you finding joy? Good question. Right now where I'm sitting, I mean, to be honest, I'm in a good spot and, and, you know, I'm never going to take that for granted. I'm, I'm never going to be ungrateful for that, but where I fight for joy, cause I, I am happy and joyous and free right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that I'm on that, that, that proven path of success. And, and each day it's, it's up to me, right? If I make the right choice, I'm going to stay on this path. And if I don't, who knows if I'll ever get back on the path, but the, the joy that I experience the most and, and the fight for joy that I, I do the most is for my sponsees. It's for the people that I meet in the meetings that are having a rough time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. They are just looking like I did 10 years ago and, and they're confused and they're scared and um, they have a lot of things piling up and they have a lot of things in their life that are disappearing and it's, it's really hard for them. So I pour into them and I, I you know, fight with them um, for their own joy because I know it's possible and it's neat to see the light turn on and somebody else. It was neat to experience it myself, but, you know, I'm, I'm meeting people and, and we're going through this together. You know, everybody says that Narcotics Anonymous, it's a we program. Mm-hmm. All the 12 start with the word we. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, to know that we're not alone is important. And to show those people that, you know, are just learning that they don't have to be alone and they, here's my number. And if you call me at, you know, 10 o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning, I, I will help you. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Mm-hmm. that's that's where I, I I fight the most and then also you know with the families because 
there, there's parents that will bring their, their child into a meeting. There's a, a wife that'll bring her husband or, you know, I've seen coworkers bring a coworker in and, uh, and to help those people along to that, that might not be addicts mm-hmm. to, to understand addiction and so forth. Uh, I, I fight for their joy as well. Uh, there, there's a parable in Matthew about, you know, a field with wheat and weeds and, and, you know, all the workers, they, they didn't like the weeds, you know, that were planted. So they were going to, you know, rip out all the weeds, but if they would do that, it would rip out all the wheat. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they just had to leave it alone. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like we're for let somebody get, you know, to rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I explain things however they need to hear it. Uh, you know, with a parable out of the Bible or just another example, you know, trying to be respectful of where they're at. Uh, that's where I do a lot of fighting for joy is for them. I just want to remind you that I am still partnering with Faithful Counseling this season to help bring you quality online Christian counseling. Use my code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. You will find out more there and receive 10% off. I can't say it enough, but quality counseling is a worthy investment, such a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the midst of this broken world. Again, check it out at faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy, or just send me a message and I will get you the direct link. Okay, now back to the show. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I think you're right. It's, you know, you're in a good spot when you can really, you know, wholeheartedly focus on other people and, and wanting them to find joy themselves. Um, I think often it can feel counterintuitive um, that we should just be focusing on ourselves and, you know, continuing to just um, do everything that we can for, um, for ourselves. But um, pouring into others like you are talking about really does help our fight for joy. And, um, you know, you mentioned being a sponsor yourself now and having sponsees. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about what that's been like for you. I mean, I'm sure there are wildly encouraging parts about it, but also just very discouraging parts about it. Um, and then if you could also share a little bit about the H&I that you're um, involved in as well. Okay. So I'll start with the sponsees. I have six guys right now. Um, that mm-hmm. number changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, six guys that, that came up to me, uh, before a meeting, during a meeting, like if they were, you know, crying or whatever, sometimes we just, you know, say, Hey, let's go talk outside or, or whatever, or after a meeting or at a function, you know, they, they, they basically came up to me and it was like the middle school dance, right? They asked me to dance. They asked me mm-hmm. to be their sponsor. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of courage for them to get to that point but it means the world to me because I couldn't coordinate my own life, you know, and I couldn't make decisions. I couldn't, you know, uh, you know, use a thought process to, you know, what's best and, and so forth. What's the next right thing. But now these guys are asking me to do that for them. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I will do anything for these guys, just like John did anything for me. Mm-hmm. And then, they have sponsees of the, you know, grand sponsees of mine and great grand sponsees of, <laughs> of it's just this neat little recovery family tree that, that, you know, the, some leaves fall off, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a neat thing and, and we love it. Um, hmm. and it's good to be part of. So, so yeah, sponsee, I, they, some need a little bit more help with mm-hmm. some areas mm-hmm. than others. 
need a little bit more attention. Some need a little bit more like oomph, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of got to feel them out and, and see what they need. Uh, some only want me to work with them as far as recovery goes, their relationship, their marriage, their, their job, their finances, their everything else besides recovery. You know, they, they want me to kind of stay away, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't at all, but some, you know, Hey, you know, like you have basically what, what's going on in your life is, is interesting to me. So I want to find somebody to marry and I want to have a, a family one day and I want to, mm-hmm. you know, do that. So, so it's just kind of a, you know, I'm still learning, mm-hmm. you know, each one of them, but uh, yeah, service work is, is encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you got to find God, clean house and then help others. At this point in my recovery, I'm, I'm pouring into others. Another thing that I like to do that we, you know, you mentioned was, was share my story for service. I mm-hmm. go all over the place. I was just kind of plopped into Montana in the, the Narcotics Anonymous community with a fresh story. And, uh, you know, people are asking me to go share it. Once everybody hears it, they'll probably, you know, look for the next fresh story, which mm-hmm. is, which <laughs> I enjoy that. But you mentioned H&I. For those of you who don't know what H&I is, it's, it's hospitals and institutions. Mm-hmm. And you have to be trained uh, to be able to do this. And you go in to... Uh, recovery centers, to detox centers, um, treatment centers. And and right now I'm going into a, a jail and I've gone into prisons before and, and things. It's a service p- position. I go in once a month on a Wednesday night and, you know, some other guys that are, are here in town, we, we go in every Wednesday night, but I go in once uh, a month and these guys in there, it's a detention center. Mm. where we're in so what they're doing is they're waiting for kind of the pre-sentence investigation to happen and the judge to figure out what's going to necessarily happen then they get sentenced and a lot of them are going away for a long 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 time and they're broken and it's it's probably one of the most rewarding Mm. um, service positions that i've ever had because they are so open to something else because they know that what they've done and how they live their life hasn't been working. And they know that if they ever want to eventually after their sentence, get out and not go back in, they, they need to do something different. And they're all eyes and all ears you know, when we go there. And that's, that's neat to see. For sure. I mean, you are, you're coming in and you're offering something better. You're offering hope. You, you know, are hitting them with, with a different, um, a different opportunity when they are at rock bottom, they're not being drugged to a meeting. They are, they're worse. That's worse. You know, they're, um, at a place where they need hope and what a neat thing that you can be part of offering that to them in, in what's probably some of their darkest days. Um, I would also include in your service, you know, of others to your family. I mean, having two boys and building into them and coaching for them and loving them well. And, you know, even just your move to Montana to be closer to Jessica's family. I mean, I think, I think the way that you love and serve your family is just a big part of it as well. Yeah, it's been a a blessing to um, lay my life down like Christ laid Mm -hmm. his life down in church. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, in other words, laid my life down for my bride. Mm-hmm. And 
knew that she wanted to come out to Montana and be closer to her family. And Christ was comfortable in heaven, but Christ left heaven, the comfort in, in heaven to lay his life down. And I left the comfort of Nebraska, you know, all my friends, all my family, everything I've ever, you know, known, you know, I finally got to a point in my professional career um, with different things that I was proud of. And I, I just had to, to leave. Yeah. And, and that was okay. That was difficult, but, it, but it was okay. But, you know, I'm starting to see that God wanted me to come out here and these six guys that are my sponsees, you know, uh, it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pouring into my kid kids now and it's nice to, to, um, you know, being in a marriage and, and with my kids that they've never seen me use, mm-hmm. um, anything different besides me being clean. Right. And <laughs> I want to keep that because, uh, I don't want them to see that it is, it is not, uh, it is not good. It is not pleasant. So, so yeah, I'm doing all sorts of, you know, different things, coaching, you know, the, my, my boys and different things. Uh, volunteering for for Helena Christian School uh, with with you know whatever I can do, I've I'm on my third job, which has kind of been a little bit difficult, you know, uh, with the move, you know, getting to this point where the dust is kind of settled. So, um, I do know that it's God's will for us to be out here, and I'm I'm confident in that. And it was really hard for, like I said, for me to to kind of take take that leap of faith, but but God is pleased when we do trust in Him fully. For sure. Yeah. Lots of opportunities to deepen your faith and trust him more. And, um, you know, and with all of the success that you've experienced and, you know, kind of the good place that you're at right now, I think it's important to remember that that doesn't guarantee that everything is going to necessarily, you know, be sunshine and roses. I mean, we lost our mom two years ago. Jessica lost her dad, as well as a number of other key people in her life. And, you know, there will continue to be hard things like death and cancer and stress and broken relationships and just all of these hard things on this side of heaven. And I just kind of want to know, like, how have you dealt with more death? I mean, I know we talked about losing Jackson on the episode nine. um, But since then, you know, we've we've had our mom and other important people in your life who have passed away. Um, you know, was there a struggle? Did that, did that resurface a little bit when hard things like this hit or how did you deal with these losses? Good question. I, I gotta tell you, you know, I've lost the desire to use and what, what that means, you know, um, the, the, the thoughts still happen, right. I'll see mm-hmm. a commercial. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll smell something at a concert, you know, I'll see somebody, you know, late, late night at Walmart. And, and I know they're under the influence or something, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but, but the overwhelming desire like that, that, you know, waking up and that obsession and I got to do this and this today, and then I can get loaded or I can do this while I'm loaded or, you know, just that, that mind game that, that you play. Uh, I'm glad that that's gone because when these times happen where there is, you know, the, the overwhelming painful events of life, the death or, you know, a struggle or, you know, loss of, of anything where you get to that point where you just kind of want to maybe give in or, you know, something to that thought that, that pops into your mind. But I remember when mom passed away, I was at the funeral and John of course was there. He's always there. Mm -hmm. And, and I was sad. And, and he, he asked me, he's like, 
or the thoughts of using, you know, taking over. And I said, no, but to be honest, they've popped into my head. And he said, you know what? He said, there's not enough drugs in this world to take away that pain that you're feeling now. So mm. don't even try. Wow. And do all of this. I, I knew that, but it's just nice to hear that, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be just reassured on, on that. And yeah, I, I see a lot of different things in other people's lives as well, but, but I reach out now. I, I'm not isolating. I don't think that I can do it alone. I understand that God works through people. And, you know, when those times happen, I definitely reach out and I, I enjoy the, the, the communities that I need to, to be close to, whether it's church or, or Narcotics Anonymous or just maybe even my family, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, at different times. So, so yeah, it's, it's important to recognize that, um, you know, using is not going to help anything. It's never helped anything. It's, it's always made things worse. Yeah. So when times like that happen, uh, you just gotta, you know, pour into, to whatever you got to do to, to make it through. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, as we kind of start getting ready here to wrap things up, um, I just kind of wanted to ask, um, kind of a huge question and really just say, you know, what has God taught you um, through all of this, Dwight? I mean, what have you learned? And as you, you know, look over your life, not just this almost decade now of good, you know, years in recovery, but the hard years and decades before that, what, what has God been teaching you? God has taught me that action needs to be taken uh, in, in many different areas and in many different ways and in many different things. You know, I, I would, you know, look back and, and just want something to change or, or need something in my life. And I would just kind of wait around for it to happen, you know, and then mm-hmm. wait around and say, God, if you really want me to get out of this hole and help me or, you know, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, what I've learned over the years is you have to take action, right? We're, we're supposed to be Christ-like as Christians and, you know, Christ left the comfort of heaven, like I talked about, and Christ walked across desert. I mean, Christ was taking action. Hmm. And that's, that's what I've learned is, is whenever I get into a funk and I'm, I'm just feeling down or I, I feel like my recovery or, you know, my marriage or my, my parenting or, you know, anything is kind of just in that kind of blah kind of space. Mm-hmm. I, I take action mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's what I would want people to, to, to kind of leave, you know, people with today is mm-hmm. if, if, if you're going through a tough time with somebody with an addiction or your addiction yourself, you know, call a treatment center, mm-hmm. take some action, go to a meeting tonight, look up a meeting schedule and go. And when you go to that meeting, don't just go to the meeting and then go home, go to that meeting and, and reach out for help and say, mm-hmm. hey, I am not doing well. You know, all those things are, are, are action, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I would encourage people. Yeah. Um, biggest, I guess, flip-flops from, you know, old Dwight to new Dwight is kind of my, my uh, philosophy on, on God's will. I would sit around and wait for God to kind of direct my life. And sometimes I just felt like all I was doing is sitting around waiting mm. for God to open the door. Now I open as many doors as I can. <laughs> God shut them. Yeah. So then I know. You know, oh yeah, okay. He left this one open. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. 
I love that. I mean, we, we try to live that out too. It can be paralyzing to sit and think like, what's God's will in this situation or that situation. But yeah, to just move forward, take action and just to see, you know, when God closes the door or if he keeps opening the next door after that, you know, so I love that call to action. I think that's a great thing to leave my listeners with, whether you are the one who is struggling or you love someone or work with somebody or know somebody who is struggling. Um, that encouragement and call to action is a great, a great thing to leave them with. And, you know, both times that I've asked you, Dwight, to do this podcast with me, you have responded by saying that even if one person is helped, it would be worth doing. And I love your heart in that and your willingness to put yourself out there and bring encouragement and bring hope and bring testimony and an example of, you know, what God can do. Um, and, you know, to do all of this in hopes that somebody listening will will be helped. And if there is somebody listening who wants help, who wants to connect with you, you would love that, right? I would absolutely love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So reach out to me um, and I can put you in in con- in contact with my brother and um, he would love to um, to talk with you. So. Thank you, Dwight. This has been so, so good. I am just continually encouraged by um, your ability to communicate all that God has walked you through and your desire to help others um, fight for joy and um, get into recovery as well. And I'm just I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful to the Lord. Um, you know, I love your beautiful wife and your two boys and your beautiful life that you are creating and making there in Montana. And I'm just thankful to bring you here on the podcast again to share you with my listeners and bring some hope. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.